0: It's about what it feels like. It's not about what it looks like. Yeah. Um, it's very much about how the body parts connect. It's not about the arms do this and the legs do that. And I think a lot of ballet is taught that way. This is how we line up our pelvis. This is what our arms do. This is what our legs do. This is how the foot goes. And Luigi didn't teach that way. So his warm up, his he preferred the phrase technique exercises rather than warm up. Um, but it is the warm-up, and he did call it that as well. It's 42 choreographed minutes. You know, you learn a dance, essentially. It's 42 choreographed minutes, but it it teaches you how the parts connect. He always said, you don't do it with your arm, you don't do it with your back, you do it with your whole body, and you do it from the inside out.
1: Welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as The Balance Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet each month I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life full of grace with a little grit. Hello balanced ballerinas, how are you? I hope that if restrictions are lifting in you're part of the world and you're able to attend classes that you are doing so not only to support your dance teacher and their small business but for your sanity, your health, your well-being and your immune system. Now, I'm really excited to bring you today's guest because he's one of those rare master teachers who can actually relate to dancers that begin their training as a young adult. I always have so much respect for those that find dance a little later in life and had to really persevere and persist amongst other dancers who had been training their whole life. It certainly takes a special kind of person. Now I can't relate to my clients who start ballet later in life as I began ballet classes from the age of three. I honestly don't know what it's like to not know what a plie is. Sometimes I find it hard to relate to an adult ballerina who's a client of mine that begins their journey at the age of, say, 25, 35 or 85 years old. And sometimes I need to be reminded just what it must feel like in order to teach with empathy and sensitivity. So today's guest, he has this in spades. I had the absolute honor of speaking with William Weldinger, who prefers to be called Bill. He teaches both ballet and the Luigi jazz technique at the famous Joffrey Ballet School in New York City. He teaches in the ballet trainee program, the adult program and the jazz and contemporary program. Bill is also on faculty at the New York Film Academy and has served as the Director of Jazz at the Manhattan Ballet School and the Director of Ballet at the contemporary company Cora Dance. As a performer, Bill has appeared in musical theater, commercials, music videos, and television. Highlights include many regional and off-Broadway productions and what I find fascinating is his flair for musical theatre which makes him an excellent practitioner when it comes to developing and laying down the fundamentals of classical ballet for his clients who may have say a beautiful voice and stunning acting skills but are turned away at auditions because of their lack of dance technique. Oh, look, I can't tell you how many times I've had a parent or student call me in a similar situation. and I have to explain that there are no shortcuts when gaining a ballet education. In fact, Bill has written an amazing blog post about this recently and I highly recommend checking it out on his blog. Wait for it. The name is so good. Classical Ballet and all So cool. I also recommend checking Bill out on Facebook or Instagram. As a ballet teacher, I find his musings and way with words just so eloquent and inspiring and really relatable. Usually when I'm thinking something, just like magic, he tends to post about it the next day or the following week, basically summarizing my thoughts exactly and putting me at ease. So from my apartment on the Gold Coast in Australia, I spoke to Bill in his New York City apartment about his rather unconventional start in the dance world to his incredible journey into the world of teaching. We touch on his transition to online teaching during this time that we're all currently living in, the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. It's hard to not talk about these days, but look, mostly we focus on his story and his passion for keeping it real, and his thoughts around teaching both ballet and traditional jazz technique. Now, sometimes you might need a pen and paper to jot down notes from a podcast episode um, and the guest, but this is sort of more of the kind that goes well with a cup of tea. So I want you to sit back and enjoy Bill's fascinating story and passion for teaching. What does a typical day look like for you at the
0: moment? So I am lucky in that my entire teaching schedule, except for one class a week, transferred directly onto Zoom. So I am still teaching my full schedule. Uh, my apartment in New York, because I live right in the middle of the city, is tiny. If you've ever seen the inside of a New York apartment, teaching... Um, teaching on Zoom from my apartment would be very difficult. I have access to an empty dance studio. I'm completely alone in there. I have the keys. I can get in there. And so I am traveling every day to a studio where I am teaching completely by myself. So I set up my computer and I teach my classes for five different schools from one little studio. Wow.
1: Have you... I mean, I'm doing very similar. So I travel to my studio to take my online classes um, three times a week. And it's mainly actually just to get out of the house. (laughs) But are you a little bit like me where you're finding it very, um, there's something a little bit sad about sitting in the studio all by yourself,
0: isn't there? Absolutely. And I also, even though I am not young, um, I can smell 60 these days. I still take class every day if I can. And so I've been trying on the days that I can to get to the studio early or stay late and give myself class and giving yourself class and, and the studio has no windows. So giving yourself class in a completely windowless studio with fluorescent lighting is sad. I know. And I love it more than anybody. I mean, I, I could just look at myself, do Tondu from the front and fix it. For an hour but it has gotten sad it has
1: I'm it's really refreshing to hear someone say that because I I mean I take my hat off to you I don't know if I could I've never been one of those people that can sort of give myself class um uh, I don't know I just I I like to have uh someone tell me what to do
0: <laughs> I do too but I, I would rather give myself class than not not do class at all, so. That's
1: very true. I've um, These days during quarantine, I've substituted a bit of ballet for myself. In uh, Instead of doing
0: ballet, I've been doing yoga. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, it, it gets the job done in a different way, but right.
1: It does, it does. Um, now, I wanted you to let the listeners all know um, a little bit about your background. You can go back as far as you'd like, um, uh, and how you are now, um, Teaching for multiple studios, and most notably, probably a lot of people here would know the Joffrey Ballet School. Right. So, um, where did Little Bill start his dancing?
0: <laughs> okay, so Little Bill started dancing at age 26. Actually. Oh, wow! Uh, I was raised in an environment where a career in the arts was not encouraged and was not really an option. My father was a very talented musician. I mean, really talented. And he played gigs with some very prominent musicians in the 1950s and 60s. But he was a pharmacist, he went to pharmacy school, and he had what most people would consider a normal career. And so I was encouraged to follow um, a really academic path. And I, I certainly had music lessons as a child and a teenager. It wasn't terribly talented but i played the piano and i played the clarinet and that was somehow seen as you know a good hobby to have but i think the thought was that dancing in particular for a boy was a career choice it wasn't a hobby and so it just wasn't really available and i didn't start dancing until i was 26 when i could fully afford to pay for all of these lessons on my own i had a friend who recommended that I go to Luigi. All I knew was that Luigi taught jazz, he was a good teacher, and he was good with adult beginners. That's all I knew. And so I went. It never, it, it, it wasn't apparent to me that he was actually one of the great teachers of the 20th century, that he changed the way dance was taught all over the world, and he was perhaps the most recognized teacher in the world at that time. That was. I I had no idea, I didn't know. Um, And so the idea of starting ballet at 26 to somebody who had no dance education at all seemed ridiculous, like adults don't, don't start ballet, that just seemed absolutely ridiculous. And so going to Luigi just seemed like something that was good to do. So I did that, I was 26 years old. I also didn't understand because I had had music lessons where you would take one or two lessons a week and then you would practice on your own I didn't understand that dance didn't work that way, that if you were going to progress, you essentially had to do it every day. Um, but I found that out pretty quickly. And so I, I started dancing at Luigi's studio every day if I could, and I was doing pretty well. Um, I was making progress, I was enjoying it, I was doing my regular life as well. And, um, and that's kind of how things were going. And I became very friendly with one of the teachers who worked at Luigi's studio. Her name is Harriet Wilson. She's a really fine teacher. And she and Luigi had had a falling out. And she said to me, at this time, I can't really come to the studio. There was another teacher teaching Luigi's work at Broadway Dance Center, a name that probably most of your listeners know. Um, And so we went off to Broadway Dance Center to take some Luigi classes over there. And it was there that I found a teacher named David Story. He taught, I guess we would call it somewhere between modern and contemporary, in the mornings. And he taught like a theater dance jazz class in the evenings. And I watched his classes and I thought they were great. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. So I was in a little bit over my head because I'd only been dancing about a year. I was pretty much a beginner, but I kind of jumped into these classes. And he took a little bit of an interest in me. And he said, you need to take ballet. And so he recommended a ballet teacher who was good with adult beginners. And I started taking ballet with her. And then David Storey gave me a performing job. I'm fast forwarding because it's a really long story. But after about (laughs) three years, um, he gave me a performing job. And so I danced in his company. um, And I started going to auditions and I was able to secure professional contracts with three years of training. Um, Debbie Cruz, the ballet teacher I went to, she left New York and he sent me to Madame Darvosh, who had been a student of Vaganova's Gabriella Darvosh, and I started getting ballet jobs and yeah. I danced until I was 34, almost 35, performed. And I had a couple of setbacks with getting jobs and things weren't going as well as I had hoped. And here I was, I was almost 35. I had never had a Broadway show. I'd never had a job in a major dance company, kind of small companies, but I did TV shows. I did music videos. I did some industrials. I worked. It's not like I didn't work, but I was kind of done. I sort of felt like, well, I'm coming up on 35 and probably nobody's going to hire me anymore. And so I just sort of stopped. And I stopped for nine years. At 43... Harriet Wilson, my my friend from Luigi's, encouraged me to start taking classes again. And I started back at Steps with Steps on Broadway in New York with a teacher named Richard Pierlon, a jazz teacher. And I took a few, few classes with him and it was great to be back. And I started going more often. And then I started ballet classes again. And Richard asked me to sub for him at Steps. It had never really occurred to me Um, to have a teaching career. I taught a little bit when I was younger, um, but never really occurred to me. And so he he went to the administration of Steps and he said, I'm gonna be out next week on Tuesday and I want Bill Waldinger to sub for me. And so Steps asked me to send them my resume and I did. And they looked at it and they said no. And so, right. And so I did not sub for Richard Pierlon on, on that Tuesday.
1: Um, (laughs) Well,
0: look, they have studios to fill, and they are looking for somebody who is going to fill the studio, and so I decided, and I was upset, uh, I won't lie, I was upset, and I decided that I was going to go and take the class anyway, Um, because that was the class that I would normally take, and and I didn't want to Stomp my little foot and be all angry. It's like, I'm just going to go and take class. And I looked at Step's website. The woman who was subbing the class, her name was Lisa Guida. She was in 17 Broadway shows. Wow. She actually, I believe, has the record for the number of ensemble dance jobs on Broadway. 17 Broadway shows. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so I said, Well, I'm sure I can learn something. And if you know, if at the very least I'll, I'll get class. And so I walk into the room and there's all of these Broadway people in the room. I'm the only person in the room who's over the age of 30 for sure. And I'm standing in the back of the room and I'm doing my plies and she comes up to me and she looks me up and down and she said, and who are you? And I said, um, nobody. And she said, because I am looking at you and I'm thinking that you should probably be teaching me.
1: Wow. Why
0: did she and say that? I, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, it's kind of interesting. I said, let's talk after class. And so I told her that Richard had wanted me to sub, but, um, but steps had other ideas in mind. And she said, I want to talk to you about this, but I'm, I'm in a rush. Here's my email address, you know, shoot me an email. So, we had a little email exchange about her whole path and my whole path, and although she was very funny and very sweet, she's not my friend, really, and so I never heard from her again. It was like three or four emails and then that was it. In the meantime, I have a friend who owns a little dance studio in Brooklyn, and I asked her for a job. I decided I wanted to start teaching. Yeah. And she gave me a job. And so uh, I was teaching um, you know, adult beginners in the evening at a neighborhood dance studio and little kids on Saturday. It was three classes a week. And um, and everything was good. And I did it for about a year. A year, year and a half later, I opened my email one day. And I had an email from somebody named Austin Iyer, who I had never heard of, who worked for a school named CAP 21, which I had never heard of. Um, I did a little... Googling around, it was a musical theater conservatory, and he was offering me a job teaching ballet in their conservatory. And he got my name from Lisa Guida, a year and a half later, the teacher at Steps. So um, that's how it started. And one thing led to another, and I started getting teaching jobs at the New York Film Academy has a musical theater conservatory, the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts has a musical theater conservatory, and eventually at Joffrey Ballet School.
1: I have a quick question. In the nine years that you left, you know, the professional dancing world before you started really diving into the world of teaching, what were you doing?
0: Um, I was working in healthcare. Actually, I was completely out. Yeah. Um, I don't always talk about it. You know, it, it, it's like there's. I tried very hard not to judge and we are all judgmental. We are judgmental by nature. And I tried really hard not to do it. And I've always been afraid um, that people would judge me as being not serious, but um, I'm actually a licensed dentist.
1: That's amazing. I always, you know what? I think that that's a really important, and I think it's a really great part of your story because there's so many people that are working in our industry that, did take like a gap year or a few <laughs> and worked in what we would probably put quotation marks around as a normal job right. and um and i think it gives you more perspective i mean over here queensland ballet's artistic director lee swing singh he um mayor's last dancer he had a he had an office job Uh, when he left ballet um, for quite a few years. I'm pretty sure, oh gosh, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it was in accounting or computer software or something, like something very normal job. (laughs) And now he's the artistic director of Queensland Ballet and he's doing amazing things. Um, But he credits a lot of his business skills and his interpersonal skills to that time uh, having a career in a, quotation marks again, normal job. <laughs> so I mean, I, it, taught at New York,
0: I taught at New York University's dental school. I mean, yeah. I really had a normal job.
1: Yeah. I, it's probably what makes you such an amazing teacher today. So. I don't know about
0: that. But, um, but it, it, so, um, yeah. So that's how it went. It, it was this very strange and roundabout path. But I think... Um, having started dancing at 26 gives me a perspective on how um, technique is acquired in a way that somebody who started when they were eight couldn't possibly have. Because when I talk to the vast majority of professional dancers, all of whom who started when they were children for the most part, they, they don't remember what it was like not to know.
1: Yeah you would be quite relatable for your adult students right whereas a lot of my adult students i take a lot of adults as well for ballet classes and and i can't relate sometimes to them because i started i was one of those ones i started when i was three right so i am the opposite of you i have no idea what it's like to not be able to do a plié or a tendu without not knowing what
0: that is right so i remember vividly what it was like not to know what first position was and not to understand how a plie works the thing that i was very lucky with was that i never had a bad teacher i was never in the hands of anything but what we in the industry would call a master teacher and not the kind of master teacher where you know people are just trying to promote guest teachers and get a lot of kids in the studio, real master teachers, teachers who made dancers, who danced in major companies, teachers who changed the way teachers, teachers taught. I mean, real master teachers. And that was all I had. I was lucky I lived in New York, that's what there is. But there were plenty of bad teachers in New York also, and I luckily never fell into their hands, at least not at the beginning, not before I could recognize the difference
1: just a slight segue what do you think the difference is between a teacher and a master teacher we don't have over here probably the uh, we've got some amazing teachers but the kind of people that you um are exposed to in somewhere like new york city just simply walking into steps or broadway dance center is not what we have here um in your opinion what do you think the difference is
0: so in my opinion, for whatever my little opinion is worth in my quarter corner of this industry, um, a master teacher is somebody who has a long track record of producing superior results. I studied with Madame Darvash. Madame Darvash took numerous dancers from the very beginning at age nine or 10 or 11 and produced principal dancers in New York City Ballet in American Ballet Theater, in um, Roland Petit's company. She started from the beginning and she made professional first-rate dancers. That's the first thing. The second thing is that they are teachers who changed the way teaching was done. That they didn't just teach what their teachers taught, but they actually formulated pedagogical methods of creating dancers with new ideas in new ways. Luigi is most famous for that. He changed the way dance happened. He really did.
1: So if someone listening doesn't know, because you've mentioned his name quite a few times now, if they don't know who Luigi is, can you give us a quick rundown?
0: Yes. So Luigi was, we we lost him a few years ago um, at the age of 90. He had a good, long, productive life. Luigi was the first person to teach jazz, as a codified technique. The idea of a jazz technique was born in the tragedy of a car accident. Luigi was a child performer. He was a tap dancer and a singer, and he worked the vaudeville circuit, and he was in the Navy during World War II. When he got out of the Navy, he was driving from his home in Steubenville, Ohio, to Los Angeles to study with Madame Bronislava Nizinska, who was the most prominent ballet teacher in the United States at that time. And he was in a car accident. He was in a coma for three months. When he came out of the coma, he was paralyzed on one side of his body. And the doctor said that there was nothing that could be done, that he would be paralyzed, and determined To be a dancer, he figured out essentially his own physical therapy. He created exercises to put his body back together, and he worked with Madame Nijinska at her studio, and he danced again. And not only did he dance, he danced in films like American in Paris and The Bandwagon and Singing in the Rain. I mean, the legendary Broadway musicals of the 1950s, Luigi danced in all of them. And that was after this catastrophic accident when the doctor said there was nothing that could be done. So these exercises that he created were something that he needed to do daily and he needed to do on the set of these movie shoots during the downtime, because if he didn't keep moving all the time, things would tighten up and freeze up. And so these other dancers looked at him And they said, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, these are these exercises that I created because I was in this terrible accident. If I don't do them, I won't be able to dance. And so some of the dancers started doing them with him and said, you know, you should really teach this. And so when his performing career came to an end, that's exactly what he did. And so before Luigi's technique, for the most part, if you wanted to dance on Broadway, or if you wanted to dance in a movie musical, you trained in modern, you trained in ballet, and you trained in tap. And the jazz, what we now call jazz or theater dance, was something that you learned in rehearsal. Luigi created a technique for the teaching of jazz. And there are others now, Mathematics came shortly after, um, and Gus Giordano. These are academic codified training methods in jazz. And the idea of that was born out of Luigi's accident. And so he was my first teacher. I mean, I didn't quite understand. I know, he taught Ben Vereen, he taught Alvin Ailey, he taught Liza Minnelli, he taught Donna McKechnie, who won the Tony Award for Chorus Line. He taught um, Charlotte d'Amboise. He taught most of the ensemble dancers who worked on Broadway, at least at some point in their career from like the mid 1960s through the 1980s. They all studied with him. And I didn't understand really who he was. I was just told he was a good teacher and he took adult beginners. And so there I was.
1: How amazing. I, um, oh, it just would have been amazing to- It was amazing. I didn't
0: quite really understand it. And then after a couple of years, and this was the pivotal moment, this is why I ended up with a career in, in dance. After a couple of years of training with Luigi, and I'll never forget it, he pulled me aside and he whispered in my, ear. so before I say what he whispered in my ear, Luigi believed that there should be few or no individual corrections. Most of his teaching method is about what it feels like, not what it looks like. And so he would encourage you to find certain feelings inside the work, inside the positions. I remember him saying, and he demonstrated everything full out, but I remember him saying, I wish you could feel what I was feeling. It was so much about what it felt like, not so much what it looked like. And I remember him and and he was very, um, oh, it's beautiful. He was always very encouraging. He was always very enthusiastic and he was always very loud with that kind of thing. when he was serious, he got quiet and I remember him pulling me aside one day and he whispered in my ear and he said, you think it's too late, but it's not.
1: Wow. He just sounds like the most beautiful and you know, empath- empathetic teacher.
0: It was being in his presence. I'm going to get emotional. Sorry, you can cut that oh,
1: out. Oh, no, it's it's what makes it, it true.
0: It was a level of genius that yeah. comes around very infrequently.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was just a stroke of dumb luck that I landed in that classroom
1: you actually put up a quote the other day i'm going to quote back to you (laughs) you put i strive every day just as luigi did to painstakingly pass down the art that we keep deep inside us i am bringing jazz to today's dances as accurately and faithfully as possible and try every day to fill the work with the joy and the love that he brought to the classroom and i read that this morning and i just thought it was beautiful And it's something, I think the reason why I relate so much all the way over here in Australia to your posts and your words, like I just want you to know that from someone on the other side of the world trying to be the best teacher possible that I can be every day, whenever I read your words, I find them so relatable and I find them so encouraging and I do find them really inspiring. So so whatever Luigi did to you, He certainly has made a beautiful teacher and you're passing down, you know, beautiful teachings and knowledge and, um, and it shows through. So he, I think he would be very proud.
0: (laughs) What's so interesting is that his work now is considered by many people in our industry to be old fashioned and not to be. Um, I don't want to say useful. That's not the word I'm looking for, but I can't think of any other at the moment. Relevant. Mm -hmm. Not really relevant to the training of today's dancers. That his style is not what anybody is asking for on Broadway or on the, on the concert stage. And that we don't really need this work. And I understand it. I understand what they're saying and they're saying it because they don't understand the work. Um, His work is not something that you can look at and understand. Like, people have said, well, why don't you make a a video of the exercises? Because it would be pointless. It would be pointless. He taught through painstaking explanation of what everything felt like. And so, when you go into a jazz class today or a theater dance class, usually what happens, at least at Steps or at Broadway Dance Center, is the teacher puts on the music and you have 40 professional dancers standing behind them, and they lead you through a warm up, which you know has some stretches and some tondus and some rond de and an adagio, and and then you learn a piece of choreography. That is not how he taught, and that is not how this work is taught. And so I learned how to teach by being in his classroom. But what's so interesting, because there isn't a lot of call for his work, I do teach his work. I teach two classes a week right now and that's probably gonna to increase to three. The bulk yeah. of what I do is I teach ballet. But I teach ballet filtered through Luigi's lens. He, he figured out placement. He figured out turnout. He figured out phrasing and musicality. And he figured out everything in a completely different way. And so when I teach turnout in a ballet class, it's like the way Luigi taught it. When I teach placement, In a ballet class, it's the way Luigi taught it, not the way I learned from my ballet teachers. I learned structure from my ballet teachers. I learned how to formulate a class and put a combination together. But the actual placement and technique, the things that what we really need to bring to our students, it's all Luigi, all of it. So
1: I know it's so difficult to express through, well, we might find it easy to express through words, what what is the difference how do you take a ballet class influenced by luigi
0: oh gosh that's a five-hour conversation okay Um, let's let's
1: try and nutshell it (laughs) okay
0: um it's about what it feels like it's not about what it looks like yeah um it's very much about how the body parts connect it's not about the arms do this and the legs do that and i think a lot of ballet is taught that way This is how we line up our pelvis. This is what our arms do. This is what our legs do. This is how the foot goes. And Luigi didn't teach that way. So his warm up his he preferred the phrase technique exercises rather than warm up. Um, But it is the warm up and he did call it that as well. It's 42 choreographed minutes, you know, you learn a dance. Essentially, it's 42 choreographed minutes, but it, um, it teaches you how the parts connect. He always said, you don't do it with your arm, you don't do it with your back, you do it with your whole body and you do it from the inside out. So I think ballet is very much taught from the outside in, in general. And I think it's because we start, well, like Vaganova says, you start them at nine for real ballet training. Cicchetti said you start them at 10. Anything prior to that is kind of pre-ballet. Um, he literally said a nine-year-old can't understand my work. And I think that ballet kind of is formulated from the outside in because a nine-year-old is not going to understand what we talk about the average nine-year-old when we talk about working from the inside out. Yeah. But just how the hips and the pelvis work, and I would have to stand up and show you, but um, yeah. he had a way of how it felt. And I, I've been watching Eric Conrad's videos a lot. I don't know if you know who he is.
1: Yeah, he's actually been on the podcast.
0: Right, so I've been watching his videos and he's very interesting. Um, But what I've noticed is what he explains in 25 minutes in a video about placement, Luigi can get done in about 30 seconds because it's not about what it looks like and what each individual muscle is doing, but it's about what it feels like. And if you can find that feeling, just done. Now, not that you can then find that feeling every time in a minute. I mean, it takes years of training, but it kind of shorthands everything.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what do you think about Eric's work and his um, teaching?
0: I, I think his podcasts are really interesting and they are. <laughs> uh, they are really interesting. Uh, I reached out to him. I sent him an email, um, talking about my path and how um, how Luigi's work is so in line with what he does. He didn't respond to me. Um, I, I really believe that he knows what he's talking about. I really believe that he knows what he's talking about. Um, I don't necessarily agree, and I don't have to agree, yeah. with how he's going about it. He wants to change New York. He, and how ballet is taught in New York. I think there are a lot of problems with how ballet is taught in New York. And I teach at one of the biggest schools in New York. Um, but I, I don't think that he's going about it in a way that's gonna make him receptive.
1: Yeah, that people no, are gonna be I,
0: receptive to what he has to say.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. He's certainly not a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah.
0: And no. I think that he's going about things a little bit too slowly. I don't watch all of his podcasts. I believe you have to work slowly. And I know he's teaching his wife. And some people have said she's not really an adult beginner. I don't want to get into all of that. Yeah. But um, I, I, he mentioned in one that she's been training for a year and a half, and now we're finally in third position. We're finally in cross positions. I think that's too slow, especially for an adult.
1: Well, I think, too, you sort of just lose the momentum and the, the will to continue learning if it's that slow you know we live in a very fast-paced society and i mean there's definitely patience that's required if you're going to start ballet especially as an adult but you have to as someone that does teach adults you have to throw them a bone every now and then you have to give them something to you know work towards (laughs) something a little bit exciting i
0: think think he knows what he's talking about he is very educated um And I think that ballet has lost its way. And I think that whenever he talks about technique, I agree with everything he says, I really do. Now, not everybody does, Um, but I do agree with, I'll say 90% of what he says. I explain it in a very different way because it's filtered through the lens of Luigi's technique. But the end result is the same, especially with how he talks about placement. The end result is exactly the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. I... um... So I'm gonna like, ask you a question that I uh, found through doing some research into you. You have specifically a class, correct me if I'm wrong, that is for absolute beginners that are singers that I'm presuming require some dance skills or they've gone to an audition and, and the, the people have said, look, your voice is great, you're fantastic but you need to go take ballet class or you need to go take a dance class. Is that why you developed this class?
0: So that class is not functioning at the moment. Um, And it was many years ago. So that class, I was hired by a school called the Singers Forum. Now, I don't know if this school is still in existence because I've lost touch with them. And the people who ran it were significantly older than I am. And so they would be well into their 80s right now if they are still running it. But it was kind of like a conservatory for mostly for opera singers, but also musical theater singers as well. And they provided um, really first rate vocal training. Yeah. They felt that their students needed dance classes. So they decided to institute a dance class. I was hired to create this class. Now, most of these dancers were really unfit and overweight. Um, Opera singers can get a job without looking like leading men and leading ladies. That's really, it's, it's, it's wonderful in that for the most part, not completely, it's really about what their voice sounds like. And most of the people who attended this school or this studio were opera singers. So now I was charged with teaching dance to a room full of opera singers, mostly who were over 35, 40, um, overweight and really unfit. And I had to then um, teach them. So what we did was we came up with a plan of combining some of Luigi's exercises, the easiest ones, with really simple bar exercises and a very simple, basic, basic jazz combination at the end.
1: So during this time, um, I'll tell you a little story. The other night I had all my Zoom classes, had a bit of dramas with some of the children. They couldn't get on Zoom, had done an update and I had to apparently let everyone know they needed to update their system, and but Zoom obviously let me know like ten minutes before classes were starting. And letting kids know they have to update their Zoom is just impossible. So we had technical issues, and then I had my adult ballet class, which was my final class, and I had more technical issues. And I thought everything had been going really quite smoothly for the last five weeks, and I thought, yes, I'm doing this. I'm I'm becoming a better teacher. I'm you know, becoming super tech savvy. And I'm on top of this. And then that particular night, I was like, Oh, my gosh, I just jinxed myself. Everything is gone crazy. This is so hard. And I had a moment. And I got home. And because this is just the other night, I got home, and I saw your post about virtual teaching. And because I'll just read it now. You said virtual teaching, everything was great until it wasn't this past week i had an epic fail as the technical problems mounted my confidence crumbled and i forgot my own choreography and thoughts of inadequacy and self-doubt started creeping into my consciousness but my students reminded me that maintaining their teacher-student connection was essential to them during this time of crisis and that we are not defined by our problems and our mistakes i had the exact same experience I think as you, where I was thinking so much about all these technical issues that I felt like I just took the worst class and I made mistakes and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry guys, I have to start the music again. I don't know where my brain is. And I read that and thank you so much because I didn't feel alone. (laughs) And I was like, if Phil's having issues, someone who I've admired from afar for such a long time, it made me feel better. It's okay. I'm allowed to have issues too. <laughs> you
0: know, it's it's interesting. So I currently have a bigger social media presence than I'm aware of. And I didn't really set out to do that. It just sort of it just sort of happened. And so as it started happening more and more and then I started the blog, I made a decision that I did not want to just Create this constant stream of telling the world how great I am and I feel that so much of what I read on Facebook and in dance blogs is sort of tailored to make everybody envious of the reader's amazing life and career Mm -hmm. and my life and career is really stressful I work in New York City I work at schools where my colleagues danced in American Ballet Theater, danced in New York City Ballet, have 10 Broadway shows on their resume, and I have none of that. And so it makes the getting of each job more and more difficult, and I'm getting older and older and older, and that is a problem. And so I decided that if I was going to kind of create this social media thing, that it was just going to be what it is it's going to be honest and when things don't go well i'm going to let people know that things don't go well and try to learn something from it and let them know what i learned i don't think that anybody needs another ballet teacher talking about how wonderful their students are and how generous a spirit they are and how how supportive of their colleagues they are And, you know, and and how much they love me because nobody's life is really like that. I'm sorry. It just isn't.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm glad that you're as honest as you are because most of the time when you put something up, it's either happened to me literally in the last 24 hours or that week. And it makes me feel really a lot better about myself not being so perfect. So thank you.
0: No, you're welcome, because none of us are. And I'll tell you, when that class ended, so that is an open class where students at Joffrey would come and pay $20 for a class. And so we're still holding our open classes on Zoom, but they're half the price. They're $10, and they're $10. People can get class for free. I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. People can go. There are plenty of teachers giving class for free. I can't do that because I can't compete with my employer. And so, and my employer is been very generous, you know, to me. So I kind of have to do what I'm asked to do and I'm happy to do it. But as that class started falling to bits, I started thinking people aren't going to come back for this, you know, that I, I really thought that I was kind of destroying what I had built. That's really kind of how it felt. And so, When things go wrong, I want people to know that things go wrong and things go wrong. The the student that said to me, we are not defined by our mistakes and failures. He's a very interesting guy and he also started dancing as as an adult. And I believe, I'm not sure about that. He trained with Luigi and he's a working actor. Um, And he just came off the national tour of Bronx Tale. I mean, he is a working actor and he's working in that studio every day to get better. And um, it was just, it was very wise from somebody very young, you know, it's pretty cool.
1: Well, I would love you to keep being honest and I would love you to keep sharing your stories because they're really powerful. And, um, and I think they're really important. So thank you. And um, thank you. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and an absolute honour and uh, I've admired your work from afar and I'm just now dying to be in one of your classes one day. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I had to remember originally we were going to meet when I was coming to New York and uh, do this in person, but um, that might have to wait. (laughs) But... um, I just uh, wanted to say thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. i found this conversation absolutely fascinating. For anybody who wants to um, follow your beautiful words uh, of wisdom, uh, where will they find you?
0: Okay, so my Facebook page is open. So you can just sign into Facebook and take a look at it. It's William Waldinger. It's my official real big boy name. Um, (laughs) Feel free to friend me if you want to. Um, I also recently started on Instagram because I was told that Facebook is for old people and that young people look at Instagram, which is where those little photos with the little quotes came from. All of those quotes are extracted out of articles. So I have a blog where I write full articles and the address of the blog is classicalballetandallthatjazz.com. and all that One word, classicalballetandallthatjazz.com. and all that right
1: love it. I love your blog. I love your work. I actually um, followed you on, on Facebook and then I realized the other day that you had also converted over to Instagram. So I was very excited because I'm an Instagram person. So <laughs> I'm
0: still trying to figure out how it works. Like if somebody sends me a message on Instagram, I panic because I can't always find it and then I don't know how to respond to it. It's, it's not just somebody who didn't grow up with a cell phone in their hand. It's a very challenging thing.
1: Well, you're doing very well. I am, um, I followed you so you can follow me back and I promise not okay. to send you a message and confuse you, okay? <laughs> we'll stick to email and Facebook. <laughs> As always, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast episode. And if you ever feel like reaching out, you can find me on Instagram at The Balance Ballerina or at Balance Ballerinas. I love finding out when and where you're listening from. Not only does taking a screenshot and sharing on social media help expose the podcast, but it inspires me to continue bringing you these conversations. Have a beautiful week. And as always, keep breathing and keep balancing. Thank <music>